0: I call this I predict. You probably noticed I didn't say I prophesy. I say I predict. But I also have the Spirit of God and I pray. And uh, so I don't take too much words in my mouth. I prophesy or the Lord is saying this. I'm saying like I predict. But uh, the Lord has helped me to kind of see some things that are going to happen. You know, every year I look back at what I said last year. So it was good. Say, well, what did I tell the people last year? And last year, I had a very interesting message. My message was, be angry and sin not. And I talked about that we will face an unprecedented anger in Canada in 2022. At that point, last New Year's Eve, nobody could have known that a month later, there will be rage on the streets from Parliament Hill to border crossings, and uh, Canadians were angry. Nobody nobody knew that or would have thought that. And that anger has swept across the world and most recently touched China. So that even now China have had to rescind some of the uh, very uh, strong and maybe oppressive laws that they have had. And, uh, and so uh, that anger spread over to France and Holland and all kinds of places, United States. Who would have imagined that that anger at government restrictions would have started in Canada? But we talked about that last New Year's Eve. And then I talked about what is a godly anger. I talked about what we believers should be angry about. Maybe you forgot that message. It's somewhere in the archives. I also talked about that we have financial stress that was coming. I talked about wars that would erupt, all kinds of things. And so I always check that to see if I was just kind of out just uh, playing some game. No, I pray and ask God to direct my mind as we are thinking about what has been and what is coming. So I suppose we want to learn from what has been And maybe we want a little sense of direction for the future. So as I prayed this time, the Holy Spirit brought to my attention the story in the book of Acts chapter 19, in particular, the city of Ephesus. And if you read the whole story, you will see that the church that was to become so great, it was insignificant. In fact, It consisted of 12 families in that great city of Ephesus. And there was societal, political, and religious opposition. You could say that for the believers and for Paul when he arrived there, it was a treacherous, difficult time. In fact, there was very vivid demonic deception Uh, that was being played out. Maybe one of the most dramatic cases of evil spirit manifestations. And in the middle of that story, and this is my key scripture tonight, in the middle of that story of that difficulty, it says in Acts 19, 20, in spite of everything I've told you, so mightily grew and prevailed the word of the Lord. I want to leave you that verse today for us today because our situation is not all that much different from Ephesus. I'm talking about the Canadian situation, but much of it is applicable to people who are watching around the world. So mightily grew and prevailed the word of the Lord. You know, prevail means to rise higher. To gain the upper hand to win, it says about the, the flood waters that they prevailed on the earth, and so the word of the Lord prevailed in spite of the treacherous situation, and you can take that for yourself, you can take that for our nation now, when we say the word of the Lord, sometimes I think we have a tough time to understand contextually what they were talking about. Because we are so used to carrying this black, beautiful book called the Bible, which we quote from so much and which we love and we hold dear to our heart. But you know, they didn't have this book of 66 books 2,000 years ago. So we, we cannot lose what they were talking about. And there is, I'm glad to say, a definition in Acts 10, 36 what what the word of the Lord means. It says, the word which God sent. See, God didn't send the Bible. That came later. It was put together, led by the Holy Spirit, inspired by God. But the word God sent was to preach peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. It was a very universal, happy, joyous message. Unlike the pagan deities, the tribal deities that they had worshipped, who all sided with their tribe, and now came the message, God has sent his word. His word is a person. And the good news is that God does not have hostile intentions towards anyone. There is peace for everyone. YOU SEE, IN ALL THE OTHER RELIGIONS, THERE WERE ALL THESE BLOODTHIRSTY, VENGEFUL GODS. BUT NOW THERE WAS A NEW REVELATION OF GOD COMING AND IT SAYS THIS JESUS, HE IS LORD OF ALL. AND THAT'S STILL OUR MESSAGE. WE HAVE A JOYOUS FAITH. YOU KNOW, WHEN YOU READ ABOUT THE EARLY CHRISTIANS, I was just reading about the Christians in the first four or five hundred years of our Christian faith, how joyous it was. For example, they talked a lot about the return of Christ, but they didn't talk about it the way we talk about it today in our left-behind movie era of life. They, They didn't talk about it in this doomsday of 666 and all the stuff we seem to be filled with today. It was a joyous proclamation. There was no doomsday about it. It was a joy. A new kingdom has come. And one day our king shall return. And I'm a proponent of that joyous faith that I believe will sweep the earth one more time. But let me talk about some of the things I see last year uh, at this time. I talked about wars. I mentioned Taiwan. I mentioned uh, Russia. I mentioned Ukraine. I mentioned Europe. And, And I predict to you, that these wars will continue and increase. I know you don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. But I want to tell you, I heard the General Secretary of the United Nations the other day say on television, he figured the wars will all be over next year. I don't believe it, don't believe it. And and, and that doesn't mean we're gonna jump up and down and say, oh, Jesus is coming, we hear. I, I caution you, every time there's a war, Don't talk about, oh, this must be a sign Jesus is coming. Jesus said, and whatever you think of the end times, Jesus said, there will be wars and rumors of wars, and the end is not yet. So Jesus said, when you hear rumors of wars, the end is not yet. But we do the opposite. We say, oh, there's a war. The end is now. (laughs) You know, we get sidetracked by so many things. But I I want to caution you that that smug feeling that somehow we have evolved into some age of Aquarius. We are so enlightened, we are so invo- evolved that, 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 that we, the, the cruelty of war cannot play out in the way it has in other generations. I want to remind everyone that human beings, Yes, created in the image of God, but their minds have been darkened and human beings with darkened minds are capable of unthinkable evil and cruelty. And what we are to do in these situation is not look for escapism or look to be taken out of here, but to do what we've been called to do, to preach the Prince of Peace in a time of distress. I predict that the battle between a culture of death and a culture of life will accelerate. Have you thought about the contrast of life versus death? You know, so much in what we teach has to do with life and death. And many frontiers for this. You know, it, it, it says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is life, eternal life. It, it says in Corinthians that religion, the systemic relation, religion of, of, of the law, it, 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 it kills. The letter kills. But the spirit, the new covenant that has made the old obsolete, it gives life. So it's very natural for believers of Jesus Christ to be people of life. We don't want people to be. EXPERIENCING DEADNESS IN ANY AREA OF THEIR LIFE, SPIRITUALLY, PHYSICALLY, WE ARE THE PEOPLE OF LIFE. WE REPRESENT HIM WHO SAID, I AM THE LIFE. GOD IS LIFE. GOD IS LIGHT. GOD IS LOVE. THAT IS WHO WE ARE SERVING. Uh, BUT, AND SO NATURALLY, IT'S VERY NATURAL THAT MANY CHRISTIANS, YOU KNOW, WHEN WE REALIZE THAT THE LITTLE BABY IN THE WOMB is, IS A LIVING BEING, that, you know, especially when we see what what happens in the, after the 20th week of of pregnancy, that babies are born and live, naturally we would be pro-life. Naturally that it's it's our nature. We would say we want to care for those who can't care for themselves. Now in Canada, there was something introduced uh, six years ago now, five and a half, six years ago, that is, has the acronym a MAID. I have it on the screen, medical assistance in death, made. And uh, and, and I say there that medical assistance in death enables assisted suicide for many who could live fruitful lives. I'm not here to discuss the law, but let me just give you the facts. This program was introduced in 2016 and there was just over 1,000 people who uh, died by medical assistance provided by Health Canada. That was six years ago. Last year, uh, 2021, we don't have the numbers for 2022, but we expect them to be very much higher. But in 2021, over 10,000 people, over 10,000. And the idea was that this would be a program available for people who already kind of have a predetermined date of death. They kind of, uh, at the last stages, and of course, we have problems with that because we believe God is the author of life. But that was the intention. And those who said back in 2016, oh, you know, this is a slippery slope. We were just called uh, conspiracy theorists. Or we, but, but the fact is, it has grown from six years ago by a thousand percent. And this year, 2022, will be more. But now, there was a change made recently in the law so that not only people who the doctors would say you have a predetermined date of death maybe coming up in a few months or whatever time, but people who are mentally ill who, who have no, we have no reason to believe that they would die. We have heard, read in the newspapers, many of the newspapers in Canada, CTV has reported on this. All kinds of news, uh, news media have reported that uh, people who are veterans in the Canadian Army who uh, who have uh, uh, post-traumatic syndrome because of what they experienced in Afghanistan or Iraq are being recommended this. We have seen... AND MEDICAL SERVICES IN CANADA WHERE YOU DIAL IN AND SAY IF YOU WANT TO SEE A DOCTOR, PRESS ONE. IF YOU'RE want to, if you're problem WITH COVID, PRESS TWO. AND THEN IN THIS CASE THAT I SAW, IF, if YOU WANT MAID, MEDICAL ASSISTANCE AND DEATH, PRESS FIVE. WE ARE NOW HEARING REPORTS THAT THIS WILL BE AVAILABLE TO CHILDREN. AND THERE'S BEEN A LITTLE BIT OF DELAY IN IT, BUT uh, OUR GOVERNMENT SAYS IT'S A PRIORITY. NOW, I'M NOT HERE TO FIGHT WITH THE GOVERNMENT. Uh, In fact, I'm done with the challenge of culture. You know, so many preachers have been talking for years about challenging the culture, be a salt and be a light, challenge the culture. What has that gotten to us? We lined up all across Canada, joining arms, you know, for pro-life and we have protested and we've signed so many petitions. What has it gotten us? Even the small victories we may have had and you've had some in the United States, you know, they're kind of short-lived. So I, I don't think being a assault is signing petitions and passing them on Sunday morning in the church and everybody's signed, we're protesting this and we're protesting that. That's not being a salt and a light. And it's gotten us nowhere. You know, I've been around long enough. I've seen 50 years of the circus parade through town. So I've seen them do several laps. It hasn't gotten us much. So I would submit to us this day, as I'm talking more freely on topics that we normally don't address, I would submit that our representation is we represent God to the people. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We bring his message. I'm not defending God because, frankly, God is too big to need my defense, I'm not standing up for God as if he couldn't stand up for himself. What I'm doing is I'm standing up for people. I've been sent to love people. So number one, what we say about this issue, and I appeal to you today, if if anybody in this room, anybody watching me via some television or other media is saying this, if, if you are suffering with mental depression, maybe you feel like this would be a good way out to just get made medical assistance in death, but I appeal to you, don't do it. If you know somebody who's been recommended this, I appeal in the name of Jesus, tell that person that however hopeless it looks, there is a better way. We have heard reports in newspapers of people who were, uh, couldn't make ends meet, and they didn't have enough support, and they were on welfare, but they couldn't live, and so, so a doctor had recommended, as reported in some news media, oh, go ahead and get medical assistance in death. They'll take care of it. They'll play beautiful Mozart music as you're injected with whatever, and you'll just kind of die. It'll be so beautiful. There are books being published for children about medical assistance in death and how they can, you know, participate, and when a relative takes this, Medical procedure. You notice how the names are so nice. Even maid. Who doesn't want a maid? Come on now. You know, it's amazing. These nice words that are found. But I'm not fighting with the government because I don't think it's going to make much good, but I'm fighting for people. And wherever I can, I say to you, Jesus is life. God is life. And you may hit a stride where everything looks, looks hopeless. And I appeal to you as my fellow believers, carry this message. We don't have to come across that we are wagging our fingers and fighting everyone, but we are fighting for people who could have a better life. There are people who could live a good life. You don't have to do that. There is hope in God. If you've lost all joy, you feel like everybody's given up on you. You feel like, I don't want to live. That's a deception because God has a life for you. And the situation in our country, you know, roughly about 3,000 people a year in Canada commit suicide. But just 2021, more than three times as many were given suicide treatment by our government. You man, I like this. That's the way it is. I'm just stating the facts. But I'm saying we are people of life. That's also why the, the issue of, of gender dysphoria concerns us. I'm not fighting the government about it. I found all the cultural preachers who preach about this and that accomplish absolutely nothing. So I appeal to us, let's be gospel people. Let's be Jesus people. Let's fight for people that are hurting. And if somebody has gender dysphoria, we don't belittle that. We don't laugh at that. We say that is something that is obviously plaguing your mind. But I say like this, gender experimentation with young bodies and minds under the guise of science will cause irreversible harm. So I say, we have cases in Ontario, we have cases across Canada, United States, where a young girl had her breast removed at the age of 12, and at the age of 18, she's looking, how can I sue the government? Young boys had so called hormonal treatments on their testicles, irreversible, which was really destroying uh, their genitals. And now they, a few years later, say, I'm, I'm, I'm a boy, I'm a man. Who do I sue? Who, who, how can I make this right? Some are starting foundations saying, well, I know that my life will never be what it could have been, but I want to warn others. And that's our approach. If some, you know, someone may be, think I I, I have a man's body, but I'm a woman. I'm not, I'm not upset with you for thinking that or vice versa. But I'm saying to you, in the name of Jesus, don't mutilate your own body. I appeal to you tonight on this New Year's Eve. If you come across someone who's thinking about this, we don't belittle that. People have all kinds of feelings and there's reasons why they came to feel like they feel. But please appeal to people. Wait. Don't do it. It's irreversible. Maybe you will learn something. You know, there's a God who loves you and he can show you who you are. But we're not down on people. We're not, we not yelling at people. We're not pointing our finger at people. We are saying God loves you. Don't settle for something that will destroy your life. And my friend, oh, come on. Give the Lord praise if you want it, what I'm saying, if you agree with this. So our approach is pastoral. I think... I'm speaking to my fellow believers. We have had so much cultural war where we feel like we are at war with governments and science and we're going to stand up for God. No, God asked us to stand up for people. And it says about Jesus, one of the most touching verses of Scripture, that he will never refuse a broken reed. So if life and the policies and the propaganda has caused you to become broken and you feel shattered, there is still hope and you are welcome into the body of believers in Jesus Christ. Oh, praise God. Let that be said strongly. I, I wanna make a little other prediction here. Oh, I got a lot to say here, I better move on. I said I am going to say something to the African church. You know, I don't look very African, but I think Africans know that I've been all over Africa. I've been more in Africa than some Africans. And I've been all over India and Asia. But I'm gonna direct this to my African brothers and sisters, even though many in, in North America need this, and many many in, uh, in Asia I need this just as much. But I want to say this. I was just came back from Africa. In fact, I, I, I predict that the African church, with a its enormous potential, is at a crossroad. How many African brothers and sisters do I have here? Yes. God bless you. We love you. If you, come, you whatever, whatever country you come from. But now I'm focusing here because there's a reason that you'll find out in a moment. I mean, there is an enormous potential. I was just in Africa again. The enormous potential in every area, economically, spiritually. Africans tend to be very dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. They pray and fast all night when you and I would be asleep. Come on now. Come on now. And they do all kinds of things. But I want to say this to North Americans, to Asians, and to Africans, and South Americans, whoever. Here is the crossroad. Turn from the narcissistic man of God worship, or you will lose the next generation. Across Africa, more than any other place, there is a worship of the, quote, man of God. You, 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 everything is about the man of God. When I go to Africa, they call me man of God. I said, my name is Peter. <laughs> Made me think like, man is my first name and God is my second. And I told them, I was in Africa, I said, if you don't stop this, the young generation that are in their teens and 20s, they're going to walk away from church. They're not going to put up with this. Man of God worship. Now, we believe in honoring leaders. I thank you for honoring Pastor Nathan and myself. We're not saying talking about that, but I'm talking about an inordinate, excessive worship of preachers. It may have worked on the generation that are in, you know, in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. It's not gonna work in the future. We need to bring the church back to Jesus Christ. And I also say, and here's my friend from Congo sitting here, and you can talk to him and his wife. He knows more stories that would substantiate what I'm saying than than you can imagine. I would say, turn from the religious enslavement of the old covenant or find yourself with nothing to offer the world. That's true for every church. You know, this, this fascination with going back to the old covenant It reduces Christianity so that we have nothing, absolutely nothing to offer except what every other religion has to offer, which is a prescription of laws and rules that you must follow in order to please God. But I tell you, the gospel is not a prescription. Religion is a prescription. Do this, do this. Do this in the morning, do this at night. Take these pills. But the gospel is not a prescription. It is a description of what God in Christ has already made to happen for you, praise God. God has done something and we describe that. I predict cancel culture and the ensuing laws will have consequences for believers. Bill C-11 has passed in our parliament. And it basically gives the government the right to censor you, even what you put out in media. And this is happening. You know, the frog boils slowly. You know how to boil a frog. You've heard that analogy. If you put a frog in boiling hot water, you know what the frog will do? Jump out. I'm getting out of here. I don't like this heat. So what you do, you put the frog in, in a bottle of in a, IN a POT OF COLD WATER. AND YOU JUST TURN IT UP TO SIMMER. AND THEN YOU LET IT SIMMER. AND THEN A LITTLE BIT MORE. AND A LITTLE BIT MORE. AND THE FROG IS JUST SITTING THERE. Oh, IT'S NICE AND COOL WHEN I GOT INTO HERE. So, a little bit warm, but not too much warm. It's just a little bit. I hardly notice. It kind of gets a little warmer. Turn it up a little bit more. And, 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 and the frog says, oh, it's getting warm. Maybe I should jump. Oh, I should have jumped 10 minutes ago. It's too late now. And you turn up, and then it starts boiling. And he says, I can't jump. I'm, I'm totally, I'm, I'm destroyed by this heat. See, that's how it works. You just kind of change a little bit late vote in parliament, doesn't even make the newspaper, something else, let's talk about Harry and Meghan or something else that has nothing to do with their life and just to put on page 37, you know, whatever, whatever is really important, let it just go, let it just go. And people are claiming, you know, to be traumatized. Everybody, have you ever seen people so traumatized? I heard now that, and, and this might be have some validity, some people are claiming they have rapture trauma. Now, I can see that if your parents scared you about the rapture, you maybe have trauma. So I'm glad you came to our church and to our ministry, because we'll get the trauma right out of you. And you'll say, oh, you know, some, some people are like that. I've heard of people who have rapture trauma. It was uh, some news story in the U.S. about uh, it's a whole rapture traumatization movement or a syndrome of some kind. And, and, and But, you know, people get offended by everything. You can hardly say, you must be born again. Who are you to tell me that I must be born again? Well, if I say, he who believes in Jesus has life, who I feel traumatized by that. And I'm glad that you're not that traumatized. You don't look so traumatized, are you okay? You know, if we were gonna be traumatized, I'd be traumatized 24 seven. Every time I turn on a show, I feel traumatized oh oh they're, they're they're treading on my faith they are they're they're making they're making fun of my faith i'm not traumatized at all if no politician and we've had them of all stripes come to our church, but if they never come to our church, I want to keep serving Jesus. I don't need the mayor to come, Uh, even though we have had the mayor come here. I don't need the member of parliament to come, even though we have had the member of parliament come here. But if they don't want to come, I am not traumatized. I don't feel less. I don't feel insecure. I still thank God for Jesus Christ. Oh, come on now. Come on, come on. Uh, uh, You know, I I predict that the the, the decline of institutional religion will continue in the West. Uh, But with this comes the opportunity to rediscover the gospel. You know, it's kind of, COVID was an interesting thing. Yeah, it was a depressing thing. I meet people everywhere that say, I'm so depressed, I can't cope. I can't cope. Well, 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 get out. Smell the roses. Enjoy life but it was a bit of a shaking because some people maybe weren't really that interested in Jesus. They were just coming to church because, you know, mom and dad had trained them that way. So you give them a couple of years to just walk around in the pajamas Sunday morning and and flick television channels. It's easy to forget Jesus. So maybe that was good that we had a little shaking and now we can preach the gospel and say, listen, come on to Jesus. He's worth it. And, And so... Uh, th- th- this is actually driving us in a direction of saying, how about you and Jesus Christ? You know, is, is, is Jesus real to you? You know, I think, I think we're done with a cool, exciting church, even though we are very cool and exciting, if you didn't know that. But, but, but that's not the thing. The thing is to know God. The thing is to walk with God, hallelujah. I I, I predict as in the times of Joseph, God's provision and, and, and wisdom to prepare for hard times is available. I've been saying this and i say to you again, things will change in Canada. I hope they won't, but I believe they will. There will be a day when you will not be able to get an income tax receipt for what you give to the church. There will be a day where we may have to pay taxes I'm not looking for that day, I'm fighting against that day, but it may come. And Joseph was told, you have seven good years and then it's gonna be some years that are not so good. And I wanna say to you as far as this ministry is concerned, God has given us a heads up. We're gonna be strong, you're gonna be strong. You're gonna be strong in every area including finances because aligning ourselves with God's global purpose is still the recipe for prosperity and increase. And so we're ready. we're ready. You know, many parts of the world, they never had income tax receipts. In fact, some of my friends watching in other countries said, what are you talking about, income tax receipts? They never even knew that. When I came as an immigrant to Canada and they told me, if you give money to the church, you can get an income tax receipt. What, what's that? I've been giving offerings as a young teenager, believer in Jesus. Nobody ever gave me a receipt. But thank God, we'll use the receipts as long as we can. Can I hear an amen to that? I'm not receiving another offering, I'm just pointing it out. Uh -uh. You see, when when things get rough, when when society is shaken, that's our opportunity time. I saw a couple of interesting statistics from a survey taken this summer that, this is Canadians, 52% of Canadians say that uh, official government accounts of events cannot be trusted. I've never seen Canadians being so distrusting. And 42% of Canadians in the same survey said that media organizations cannot be trusted. This is an opportunity. I'll get back to it in a moment. Let it be said that the church is credible. Let it be said that the church can be trusted. So I've given you some negative scenarios, some positive ones, and I'm talking about Ephesus, and i bring you back to our verse, so mightily grew and prevailed the word of the Lord. Everybody say that. So mightily grew and prevailed the word of the Lord. And that is my word for 2023. And, And let's talk about how. Well, first of all, They prevailed by the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts 19, verse 1, Finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They were ignorant of the Holy Spirit. You know, that's not unlike the church today. Some have reduced the Holy Spirit to a set of weird expressions. They think they're moving in the Holy Ghost if they act a little bit weird. Others don't know anything about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is your empowerer, your enabler. There's a pragmatic consequence of the Holy Spirit. It's not just going to a church service and I feel good. Or there's a presence in this place. As if we stood on this carpet, there's something extra. No, it's life. It's a pragmatic spirituality. And I say to you, the prevailing will be by the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 6, when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied, and there were 12 men in all. Look at that. 12 little non-charismatics. Can you see those? Poor 12 folks, they would heard a lot of good teaching. They had heard Apollos preach. They heard a lot of good things, but they were dry, dried up like old prunes. And, they just, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't just a Sunday go to church spirituality. I spoke a little bit in tongues and shared a few words. It transformed them. That's what I'm calling for. I'm so glad that when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it transformed me. The personality that had been withdrawn and afraid to speak the name of Jesus was changed. I received a new personality. I was, something had been missing, but I received the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's what I'm talking about. Then it says, and now this is going to be a big point. In Ephesus, in Canada, in the world, the, the word of the Lord prevailed by reasoning. Maybe we never thought of reasoning like that. It says in, in, in verse nine, in the synagogue, he, Paul, spoke boldly for three months, reasoning. AND PERSUADING CONCERNING THE THINGS OF THE KINGDOM OF GOD. EVERYBODY SAY REASONING. SEE, OFTEN WE DON'T THINK ABOUT THAT AS A a KIND OF A SPIRITUAL WORD. WE THINK WORSHIPPING AND SHOUTING AND REJOICING, but, BUT REASONING. AND THEN IT SAYS IN THE NEXT VERSE, WHEN SOME WERE HARDENED AND DIDN'T BELIEVE, BUT SPOKE EVIL OF THE WAY BEFORE THE MULTITUDE, HE DEPARTED FROM THEM and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily. So he kept reasoning in the school of Tyrannus. So the issue here was the way. See, in those days, Christianity wasn't called Christianity. It was called the way. Religion had a way. It was an old and dead way where you had to kind of do self-improvement, make yourself worthy before God. But now came a new and living way where Jesus Christ himself had opened the heavens for everyone, he made this new and living way where you come to God just as you are. It is the way of grace. It is the way of the new and better covenant. You come that way. And this was contentious and it's contentious today. And Pastor Nathan and I, we are reasoning with you every Sunday. That's our main ministry. I'm reasoning with you. I'm gonna reason with you a little bit now. Are you reasonable? Oh, you can say yes or something. Paul was reasoning with them. See, see, another thing here is there were some who rejected the message. They wanted their old religion. They wanted their old legalistic condemning religion. They wanted that. They didn't want this message of grace. So they hardened their heart. But what did Paul do? He didn't run after them and say, "Oh, oh, oh, come back, please. Let's have a coffee. No, he withdrew and he built a strong foundation. Have you ever thought about that? I want to say this as a general piece of spiritual advice to you. You know, whatever you lost, you may never get that back. Leave it with God. God can be working on that. You don't find that, that Jesus was saying, oh, you know, oh, boy, Judas is going to betray me. I need to have more coffee with him. I need to take him out for a special buy. Oh, that I could fix Judas. We, if I just spent more time with him and if I just really heard his heart and it, no, 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 he said, let him go. He says when Jesus came to Nazareth, that, that, that they wouldn't receive him. And he marveled at their unbelief. But he does say he went back to Nazareth once a month for a special miracle service just to see if he could. No, no, he said, let them go. I go to Capernaum. Always work with the ones you got, reason with the ones who are here. You know something? Something great is going to happen. The word of the Lord shall prevail in our nation. The word of the Lord will rise higher in your family, in, in your situation, in our nation. But you know, credible reasoning is a means by which Jesus is revealed. You maybe haven't thought of it that way. But here it said it three times, he reasoned and persuaded. I tell you, I'm. I realized when I read this because the Holy Spirit drew my attention to this story and I thought that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been doing at the Toronto Celebration Church. That's what I do on television. I reason with Christians all the time. I say to them, please break your emotional ties with religion. I reason with you. I was preaching the other Sunday that religion makes you sin more. Maybe you were here that Sunday. Where Paul says, he says, the commandment, the ninth commandment, you shall not covet. He said, it caused me to covet more. He said, I coveted everything. Paul, you can read it in Romans. He says, I coveted everything. So he coveted money. He coveted sexual pleasures. He coveted food. I don't know. He coveted everything. He says, because he said, I coveted everything. But he doesn't blame a demon. He says, the demons made me do it. No, he says, my religion made me do it. The ninth commandment, you shall not covet. It aroused in me a, dis, a, a coveting. Now, why are you looking at me so quiet? I preached it once already a few weeks ago. I guess I've got to hit it again in a few weeks here. Just to let it sink in. Religion makes you sin more. See, if you want a lot of sin, then get a lot of religion. See, when people have religion and they sin, they wear a baseball cap with big sunglasses so nobody can catch them. So you sure it was him. Never mind you know, something, I remember I went to hear a preacher, well-known preacher, he was so good at making, he spent the whole first hour in making everybody sin conscious. I mean, there, there was 2,000 believers in the meeting, I estimate 2,000 believers, I don't think there was one unbeliever there, but after that preacher had gone at the believers for an hour, making them sin conscious, then he gave a supposed altar call, and everybody came forward to get saved. I saw pastors who've been pastoring for 40 years. They came and got saved again. He was so good at making people sin conscious. Yeah, but maybe he had fasted before the service. Who cares? Well, maybe he felt the Lord wanted him to do that. Who cares? The Bible tells us that Jesus sets us free from sin consciousness. I don't care how many years he fasted and prayed. We are not to be bound up in sin consciousness. We've got to have credibility. I I saw this friend of mine put this on social media. Do you have that picture I sent to you? Put it up there right now. Look at this. Never ask a woman her age, a man his salary, or a charismatic prophet, what they prophesied in the winter of 2019, 2020. Mm -hmm. I know you're laughing a little nervous here right now. I heard you laugh, but it was definitely a nervous laughter. So let's leave it up there again to remove your nervousness. So never ask a woman her age. Can I hear the lady say amen? Amen. Never ask a man his salary. May the men say amen. amen. Never ask a charismatic prophet what they prophesied in the winter of 2019, 2020 we well, you don't want to criticize prophecy. You know, Bible says don't despise prophecy. I'm not despising prophecy. What they said wasn't prophecy. It was a result of eating too much pizza. And just being asked, do you have a word? Do you have a word? And some say, oh, I feel this is the year of the wind. Or this is the year of the mouth. Or this is the year of the line. whatever you can come up with on the spur of the moment, you call it a prophetic word until nobody believes anything. You, you know this, end time profiteering. I mean, some of you read all those books about the blood moons. And if the same author would publish another book, you'd buy that again. Because there's a sucker born every minute. Blood moons came and gone and none of that happened. Yeah, well, you don't want to be critical, Pastor Peter. You don't, don't I want to be critical? I want to be critical. Because I'm reasoning with you. You're making our faith look foolish. You're making our faith look dumb. You're making our faith look stupid. There's nothing in the Bible about this. So, so I feel in my spirit. You know what we need to do is we need to blow the shofar. That will release the anointing. You can feel that till the cows come home. And you're going to for, faster for 21 days and you feel that. You can feel that. People feel all kinds of things. You're making our faith Look foolish. We have a country where 52% of Canadians do not trust the government. 42% don't trust the media. I wonder what percentage would trust the evangelical church. So let's clean up our act here. Yeah. They took that down. Good. (sighs) You know, there's all kinds of foolishness. All kinds of foolish emphases like this. End time profiteering, writing books that are just fantasy. Or take my friend Brother Dean here. How many love Brother Dean? He, he, he sent me a message and he said, I'm coming up for your New Year's Eve service. I told Pastor Nathan, I said, since he's up here anyhow, have him preach. Because we love Brother Dean and Faith. Come on, stand up, Dean and Faith here. You know, now, you, you know, let's not drag, and, and, and how many know I'm setting him up here now? Let's not drag our faith into the dust. For example, when Dean came to work for us, you know, he came to work for WIM, World Impact Ministry, first for the church and then for World Impact Ministry. And, you know, he came, oh, oh, Pastor Peter, I just want to honor you. I'm here to honor you. He was so much honoring me, I was getting sick with all the honor. Because he came from a church background where he'd been taught he did to honor the man of God, honor the man of God, honor the preacher, honor the senior, honor the founder. He was honoring and honoring. I was becoming, i get a nausea by all the honor. He was willing to run to Starbucks. I don't even like Starbucks. It's too bitter. I, 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 he, he was just doing whatever. Now, I mean, I'm kind of a helpless person, so I like when people help me a little bit if I ask for help. But it was just too much. But he came from a background like that and there's some whole church movements built on that. You know, you, you know your pastor is Elijah, so you are like, you're like Elisha, you're just serving him, and one day you'll be Elisha. The problem is the pastor isn't Elijah, and you're not Elisha. And when 10 years go by, and you've been serving, and you wash the pastor's car, and you shovel his driveway, and you polish his shoes. In fact, I needed some today, I see. Uh, but I like my socks, aren't they good? I received those from the Thurber family. I have colorful socks, but anyhow. Uh, uh, and, he, and I lost my trend of thought. And, and so th- this, it, uh, Dean, you don't mind me telling you this, before he came to work here, he was so anxious to be in ministry because God's called us on this man that, he, that they told him, well, you need to honor So He was running after some um, non-entity person. And, and he said, he's flying all over America. And he said, you come and minister and be a part of this conference. His ministry was to go for coffee runs to serve all the preachers. So I told him, I'm setting you straight, Dean. You're a man of God. You're not here to serve me. But I said, I don't want you to act stupid, but you're not here to serve me. You're here to serve Jesus. We don't follow that church model where everything is about the man of God and we've got to honor the man of God and I'm going to do whatever the man of God, is. if he sneezes, I'll wipe his nose for him. You know, I said, that's not what we do. Am I telling the truth? I'm pretty well, you know, you say again. I said, stop this but I need, do need a little help here with something. Can you help me move this uh, chair or something? He so, said, you know, I'm not like saying you can't help one another, but he came from a, a, a church environment. And then, you know, one of the guys that, uh, you know I'm speaking unscripted. How many know it's New Year's Eve? Yeah. So then one of the guys who he was honoring so much in his prior life, he said, oh, can you have him come preach at Toronto Church? So we had him come here. It was the most pitiful guest speaker I think we've ever had. So what did he preach about? He came and preached about honor. I'm sitting here. I'm the founder of this church. And some dingling stranger comes in here and tells you, my beloved family, that you should honor me. And then you should honor Nathan. I say, what what's stupidity? Who do you think I am? I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I need some stranger to come in here and tell the people that I love that they should honor me. I mean, this is sick. If you want to show any honor, thank you. But if not, I still love you. That was a good time to say, "Amen." <laughs> you know, I'm saying, like, like, what is this? And he wanted to come back. I said, "No, nice it's not having back. Foolishness. Foolishness." And you know, it's falling apart. This whole model of religion is falling apart. Some of us knew it was going to fall apart. And so I'm advocating a credible church. I'm advocating a credible ministry. We are a ministry unashamed of the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. We are unashamed of healing, signs, wonders, and miracles. We are unafraid of exposing religion. It's all its bigotry and enslavement. But we are not... Suckers. We are not people who fall for every fad and gimmick that is not rooted in the revelation of Jesus Christ. We are a people with a message. We have a purpose. We have a destiny. We're gonna take the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see millions of people reached every year. We are sticking with that, but we're not gonna get caught up into every little wind that blows through. So I just want you to know where you belong. We have a message. We are a people. We have a purpose. We have a destiny. We're not looking for every little idea that comes along. We have Jesus Christ. Our eye is on the ball, for those of you who play golf. And we are going to, oh, praise God. And so it says, they were teaching and reasoning. This continued for two years. And all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. SO THIS IS AMAZING. SO NEXT TIME YOU HEAR PASTOR NATHAN, THINK ABOUT THAT. HE'S UP THERE REASONING WITH YOU. YOU KNOW, I'M REASONING WITH YOU ALL THE TIME. THE OTHER SUNDAY, I SAID SOMETHING. I COULD TELL YOU KIND OF, YOU WERE DIGESTING IT. (laughs) BECAUSE I'M REASONING WITH YOU. So, SO I TOOK ON THAT VERY, Uh, well-known statement, people say, oh, what's the purpose of life? Oh, my purpose in life is to give glory to God. Doesn't that sound spiritual? But it's completely wrong. First of all, that would presuppose that God has a deficit of glory, so he needs your help. Poor little God, he needs glory from you. But it sounds spiritual, isn't it? Oh, I just, want to, I just want to give glory to God. But you know, to an unbeliever, that sounds like a burden. I'm already trying to raise my kids and feed my family. Now I'm joining a group. I've got to give glory to the Almighty. He's running low. So, that, so when, when I reason like that, you're like, you're messing with my mind. Yes, I am. I'm reasoning. You say, well, what is the right way to think about it? What Jesus said in John 17, he says, the glory that the Father has given to me, I give to you. So the Christian life is not about you giving glory to God. It's about you receiving the glory that Jesus gives to you. So you are to reflect that. But you're not, he's not running short of glory. Our our purpose is, oh God, I received your glory, which is his compassion and goodness and kindness. And I want to share that with others. Freely I've received, freely I give. So relax. God's not running short of glory. He's given it to you. And you can share it. So, so I'm constant. You, you know, if you pay attention. Pastor Nathan, now we're reasoning all the time. And we like it when you get quiet like you are right now. Nobody even dares to say hallelujah. It's just so quiet. You're thinking, what? what's he? We're reasoning. We, we got to get back to the gospel. And then, but then it says they prevailed by supernatural Christianity. God worked unusual miracles and they took handkerchiefs or aprons that were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits came out. So that's why we are unashamed of the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. Then they prevailed over this magic religiosity. This, this is cool, listen to this. I'm coming towards the end of, this, of the account. Some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. There were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, the kids of the high priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered, Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? I want to be with the Jesus and Paul crowd. How about you here? I don't want to be with the who are you's. And, and, and it's just, I, I could read the whole thing. It says the evil spirits, these deceptive spirits leaped on them and ripped their clothes off and beat them up. And they ran out naked. That, that, that would be quite sensational. Imagine that. So, some, some people who are, Because these were obviously religious legalists. They were, it says very specifically, they came from the high priest. They were mixing in Jesus with their belief that they had been brought up with. And the evil spirits jumped on them. Wow. You know, this is very interesting to me. Because in Ephesus, they weren't really Jewish believers. They worshiped Diana. They had Diana temples. And they believed that the statue of Diana had fallen from heaven and they were doing replicas. So the whole economy of Ephesus was built on worshiping the goddess Diana. But we don't read about demons in the Diana temple making the people there naked. Because <laughs> you would have thought, well, all the demons over that the pagan temple. No, the demons, they were all hanging around, all those who were mixing legalism with the new covenant trying to use the name of Jesus while they were still practicing their old religion. That's, that's worthy of thinking about. Are, are you still out here? Because we would have thought, well, all the, the pagan temples, that, that, that's where, ooh, there would be a lot of demons there. No record of that. But then it says, like this, it says, many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Those who had practiced, uh, practiced magic brought their books together and burned them, and they counted the value 50,000 pieces of silver. Wow. And then it says, so mightily grew and prevailed the word of the Lord. So mightily. So it gives us all these descriptions. How was it so mighty that when they try to infiltrate and just use the name of Jesus kind of as a merchandise, it didn't work. But I wanna bring back this to you. I find all over the world, people are, are very demon focused. You know, people are always thinking about evil spirits. When I was in Africa preaching, I, I noticed, I talked to them afterwards, and they say, well, Pastor Peter, we can't really refute you from the scriptures. You got the Bible on your side, but here in Africa, we have special demons. I said, all right. I said, I think I've seen more demons in Canada than in Africa, but, but all right, I've seen some everywhere. And they say, well, you don't understand, because everybody, they say, well, but according to the Bible, you're right, but, 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 but here's our thing. So I just point this out to you. How did Paul bring devastation to the Diana business? You know, because after Paul left Ephesus, after the, the Diana business of selling these silver statues, it was over. How did he do that? Well, the Bible gives us a clue. Because one of the politicians in Ephesus got up and said concerning Paul, he has never spoken against our goddess Diana. So Paul didn't preach against Diana. He didn't say, I rebuke that spirit of Diana. I am tearing it down. I'm telling you Diana is nothing but a pagan goddess. He never said one bad word about Diana. Never one. Never said anything bad. All he did was preach the word of the Lord. Jesus is Lord of all. And here's what I draw us back. And I call our church and those in our ministry. You know, we have had so much of this cultural war. We're going to speak. Preachers on television, I'm telling you, president. I'm telling you, senator. I'm telling you, members of parliament. Nobody's listening to you. And there's no power in that anyhow. That's not being assault. That's being a nuisance. You're just mad at people. Paul never said one bad word about Diana. You see, when Jesus is displayed as big as he is, you don't have to tear down other religions. You don't have to, I don't attack any other religion. I go all over the world, Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims. I don't attack them. I don't need to because my Jesus shines so bright. He's so beautiful. He's, he's the star. Ooh, he's so awesome. And the more I talk about him, it's like, uh, what else do we need to talk about? Nothing at all. And so our task, beloved believers, body of Christ, those listening to me, wherever you're listening, you, you preachers have engaged you in this. You're to go to war with the government and you're to protest and you're going to do and you're going you're to tell them where to get off. And in my little lifetime, I CAN LOOK BACK ON 50 YEARS OF TOTAL FAILURE, TOTAL FAILURE, BUT WE NEVER SEEM TO WANT TO GET AROUND TO PREACHING JESUS CHRIST. HE IS LORD OF EVERYONE. COME TO HIM, SERVE HIM, HALLELUJAH. AND SO I PROPHESY OVER YOUR LIFE, I SPEAK OVER YOUR LIFE THAT THE WORD OF THE LORD will grow and prevail in your situation. The word of the Lord will grow and prevail in your situation. Oh, thank you, Father. Lift up your hand right now. We're gonna go into the communion table in just a moment. You know, I didn't plan to do this, but I'll tell you this, sir, healing presence of Jesus. I haven't even talked about healing. But the word of the Lord is prevailing. There are people here with respiratory illness. There are people here with problem in your pancreas. There are people here with problem in your heart. There are people here with problem in your breathing. And I prophesy and speak to you mightily. The word of the Lord shall prevail over your sickness, over your circumstance, over your situation. The word of the Lord is prevailing. It's rising higher. It's prevailing. It's getting the upper hand over sickness over despair. There's somebody when I spoke earlier about people who suffer maybe mental illness in no way God forbid that we would ever make light of such a thing in what I talked about in the medical assistance in death. I'm speaking to you with the love of God. And I'm saying, if you have come to the place where you think there's no hope, I say to you, there is hope. Don't believe the lie. Don't follow through on the lie because there is hope with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a fantasy. It is a reality. Now, if you if you have... A sickness in your body. Would you stand? I don't want you to come forward. Just stand up all over this room. Those who have a problem with your breathing, with your heart, with your pancreas. Maybe with your back, with your spine, stand up right where you are. Just stand up. This is not going to happen. It's not going to take very long time. Stand up. If anybody says, I, I have some struggles in my mind, you know, the beautiful sunlight of Jesus Christ will shine to you today. Stand up where you are as well. Maybe you've been under doctor's care for the last month and, and and you're kind of at a crossroads. I don't know, should I do this treatment or should I do that? As we see so many times, I saw it when I was just in Africa. People were in that in that situation where they were at the crossroad and then they said but i heard that jesus heals and i told the people there i said if you're not a christian come to my meeting and i said if you're a christian who's been prayed for 1000 times and there are plenty of those you come i specialize in your case and i gave them jesus christ and surgeries were canceled come on everybody lift up your hand towards somebody who is standing right now we are about I suppose about 18 minutes till the stroke of midnight. Don't you worry. I haven't forgot. And we're going to have the countdown and we're going to have it on time. But I want everybody to lift your hand towards that person standing right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that the word of Jesus Christ is prevailing. It is rising higher, higher than diabetes, higher than the heart condition, higher than respiratory disease, higher than that problem in the abdomen. higher than the tumor in the name of Jesus Christ. We receive healing and life now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. Give the Lord a big praise right now. I have also didn't, you know. New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve, people are partying, people are out uh, in the bars, having a good time, laughing, drinking, and we're not condemning anybody, we're just saying this is what's going on. It's a nice night, there's no snow really, no ice, people are around here, but I feel the Holy Spirit saying that there are people here. Because you would think, well, everybody here is kind of, people are really committed, they come to church on, on New Year's Eve, but I'm having a strong urge of the Holy Spirit. It said, this is the word God sent, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He's Lord of all. You say, I don't have peace. I have anxiety. I'm not sure that where I stand with God preaching the word that God sent, peace through Jesus Christ. So I got to follow that urging I have inside. You say, I need peace. I need to know my sins are forgiven. Or maybe you say, I, I drifted away and I wouldn't normally come to a place like this on New Year's Eve, but here you are. So what can you do? You're here. And what's happening inside of you is happening. So don't bother trying to stop it. I want everyone to bow your head right now. And in a moment, I want to pray another prayer, a very important prayer. And I want to ask all those who say, I want to know peace with God. I want to know peace that my sins are forgiven. I want to know peace in my heart. I want to know that everything is clear with God and I. And I want to confess Jesus. He is Lord of all, He's my Lord.